98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Carrie Lam says the new national security law is about to come into effect, but the full text of the legislation still hasn't been released. And the law sparks an international outcry, with Britain saying it needs to check to see whether it has breached the joint declaration. Xi Jinping has signed a presidential order promulgating a new national security law for Hong Kong. The legislation outlaws crimes such as secession, subversion, terrorism and collusion with foreign forces. And sources say the maximum penalty is life imprisonment. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says the new law will come into effect by the end of the day and will have no retrospective effect. In a video address to the United Nations Human Rights Council, Mrs Lam said Hong Kong would exercise jurisdiction over offences under the law except in rare specified situations. The legislation upholds important legal principles such as presumption of innocence and protection of the rights of the suspect. It will have no retrospective effect. Except in rare specified situations, the Hong Kong SAR shall exercise jurisdiction over offences under the law. Investigation, prosecution and adjudication will be undertaken by the Hong Kong Police and the Department of Justice of the Hong Kong SAR government and the independent judiciary, including that of final adjudication. She said the law is urgently needed as calls for Hong Kong independence and invitations to foreign governments to interfere in the city's affairs have crossed what she called a red line. Some local politicians proclaimed that they would paralyse the Hong Kong SAR government while others campaigned for foreign governments to interfere in Hong Kong's affairs or even to impose sanctions on Hong Kong. No central government could turn a blind eye to such threats to sovereignty and national security as well as risks of subversion of state power. All in all, these acts have crossed the one country red line and called for resolute action. The law was passed unanimously by the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress before Xi Jinping signing a presidential order to promulgate the law. Sources told RTHK that 162 members of the body voted for the resolution. Wendy Wong has more. The Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office of the State Council says the introduction of the law is a milestone in the implementation of the one country, two systems principle. The office says the law can help Hong Kong restore order and get back on the right track. It says the law is a sharp sword hanging over the heads of a minority of people who threaten national security, but is a patron saint to the majority of Hong Kong residents as it protects their freedoms. Beijing's liaison office in Hong Kong says no one should underestimate the ability of the central government and relevant authorities in Hong Kong to enforce the national security law strictly. It says Beijing had already made serious assessments and is already well prepared for different scenarios in the implementation of the law. It adds that people also should not underestimate the uncompromising restriction after the law is implemented. It says the law will push Hong Kong to start afresh. The European Union, Japan and Britain have all condemned the new legislation. The president of the European Commissioner, Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, says the EU will carefully assess how to respond to China. BBC's Gavin Lee reports. President von der Leyen told reporters that she had repeatedly urged Chinese leaders not to implement the law, including to President Xi Jinping at a video conference days ago. Now the EU is deciding what action to take. The leader of the European Council, Charles Michel, said he deplored the decision by China, accusing the government of seriously undermining the autonomy of Hong Kong. The European Parliament has already voted to take China to the International Court of Justice if the legislation was imposed. 
EU leaders said that decision and any other possible action will now be carefully assessed. Pan-democratic lawmakers criticised Beijing for not releasing full details of the law even after passing it. Civic Party legislator Dennis Kwok said the new law marks the end of one country, two systems. The way they've done it is the most ruthless way of taking away the freedom and dignity of the Hong Kong people. Laws that would have fundamental differences to our way of life have been passed thousands of miles away by people we know nothing about, with contents of this legislation which we know nothing about. That's no way to treat a civilised, educated international city such as Hong Kong. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is just coming up to five minutes past 11. 41 pro-government lawmakers issued a joint statement expressing their support for the introduction of the national security law. Alice Mack of the Federation of Trade Unions said she's confident the law can restore social stability and help revive the economy. After a whole year's uh, social upheavals, we have a record high uh, unemployment rate. We expect that and um, we, uh, we are very confident that uh, with the enactment of the national security law, we will have uh, a more stable uh, social environment. And with this certainty, and when we can sweep all the uncertainties and those um, uh, uh, riots in the society, we hope that the economy will recover soon and the employment uh, uh, environment will be improved. More than 100 local deputies to the National People's Congress and the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference were briefed on the law at the Liaison Office this afternoon. Standing Committee Member of the CPPCC, Henry Tang, said all members were very supportive of the legislation, saying it would put society back on the right track after a year of unrest. From the day it was passed from the, by, by the National People's Congress, it took uh, basically one month for the details to be published. So uh, I think this is probably one of the more efficient laws that's passed by the National People's Congress. The pro-democracy group Demosisto has announced it is disbanding of fears about the national security law. As Vicky Wong reports, the decision comes just hours after its leaders, Joshua Wong, Nathan Law and Agus Chow, announced their resignations from the group they co-founded. The three announced their move on their social media pages. On his Facebook page, former Secretary General Joshua Wong wrote that the will of Hong Kong would not be frozen by the national security law or any evil law. He said the anti-government protests had awakened many Hong Kong people and he vowed to stay in the city until, as he put it, they silence me. The group's former chairman, Nathan Law, said he'd continue to participate in the protest movement in a personal capacity, but fellow member Agnes Chow said she would no longer join in any international advocacy works. Former Chief Executive C.Y. Leung is offering bounties of up to a million dollars for anyone who provides clues that aid the arrest of national security law offenders or to those who have information on anyone who has fled the city. Priscilla Ung reports. C.Y. Leung, who is the vice chairman of Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, said in a Facebook post that the bounties will come from the so-called 803 Fund. It's linked to a website he set up last year offering rewards for anyone who provides information that leads to the arrest and prosecution of anti-government protesters. The website has a link to a phone number which people can call to provide their national security tip-offs. The former leader also posted screen grabs of the announcements by Joshua Wong, Nathan Law and Agnes Chow that they have quit the pro-democracy group Demosisto with the caption saying, of the three, the smartest is Agnes Chow.
She had specified in her post that she will stop doing international outreach and advocacy work. In another post on the same day, Mr. Lung also referred to the trio as part of a party of scoundrels. Veteran Democrat Martin Lee, former Chief Secretary Anson Chen, Hong Kong localism scholar Chin Wen, and pro-independence activist Wayne Chan were also on his list. Chen said on Facebook on Sunday that he had jumped bail and left Hong Kong. Pro-democracy figures are encouraging the public to take part in an anti-national security law rally that starts tomorrow afternoon in Causeway Bay. An appeals board has upheld a police ban on the rally, but Democratic Party Chairman Wu Chi-Wai says people must peacefully take to the streets in order to protect Hong Kong's core values. We can all see that if we accept the National Security Act in a response that we are keeping silent, then I will say tomorrow is the last day of Hong Kong too. So I hope people can understand that if we want to keep our core value, if we want to keep the fight to protest against the National Security Act, which we all think that is not good to Hong Kong, high degree of autonomy, then we have to turn out. We have to protest against it. The government is further easing social distancing measures as the COVID-19 situation remains under control. Starting on Friday, entertainment venues like cinemas, bars and nightclubs will be allowed to fill to 80% capacity, up from the current limit of 50%. However, the ban on public gatherings of any more than 50 people will remain in place for at least two more weeks. Jimmy Choi has details. Bars, nightclubs, gaming arcades, cinemas and other entertainment facilities will be allowed to fill their venues to up to 80% capacity starting on Friday. A welcome change for business owners who have been clamouring for coronavirus restrictions to be further relaxed. There will be a similar easing of restrictions for religious gatherings, where meeting venues will be allowed to be 80% full. But the limit of 50 people allowed to gather together in public will remain until at least July the 16th. Travel restrictions will also remain in place for at least until August the 17th. The government says it's still in talks with Guangdong and Macau to open up the borders to people who can prove they don't have the virus. Arrangements about the testing requirements and cross-border arrangements would be announced in due course. A 19-year-old student has been jailed for 10 months for hitting a police officer with a selfie stick during a protest last year and resisting arrest. Maggie Ho reports. Eastern Court heard that police were mounting a clearance operation in North Point on the evening of September the 15th last year, when Chen Yichun used a selfie stick to strike an officer who was chasing after some protesters. The student admitted this in court, with his legal team arguing he was just an onlooker and not a protester, and that he had acted on impulse without thinking about the consequences. Chen said he was remorseful and would never do anything unacceptable to society again in the future. He denied resisting arrest, saying he was in too much pain after being beaten by police and hit with pepper spray. But the magistrate found the teenager guilty of this charge, ruling that Chen's bloodied face after the arrest was not the result of excessive force by the police, as the teenager claimed, but self-inflicted injuries due to his violent resistance. The government of the Philippines says it is investigating thousands of deaths resulting from President Rodrigo Duterte's campaign against illegal drugs. At the annual UN Human Rights Council meeting, High Commissioner Michelle Bachelet said there had been serious abuses. BBC's Howard Johnson has more details. In response to today's damning speech, Philippine Justice Secretary Menardo Guevara rejected claims that human rights are being eroded. 
But Mr. Guevara did announce that the Philippine Department of Justice is quietly leading a judicious review of more than 5,600 anti-illegal drug operations where deaths occurred. Human rights groups say many thousands more have died as a result of the government's crackdown on illegal drugs. Today, the UN's High Commissioner for Human Rights warned the Philippines that in the absence of clear and measurable outcomes from domestic mechanisms, the Council should consider options for international accountability measures, potentially paving the way for action by the International Criminal Court. Private home prices have risen at their fastest pace in more than a year, gaining 1.9% in May after revised 0.1% fall in the previous month. New data from the Ratings and Valuation Department showed prices of small and medium-sized flats rose faster than that of luxury units. For a 430-square-foot flat, prices rose 2.1% in May. The largest flats of more than 1,700 square feet saw a gain of just 1.2%. On a year-on-year basis, however, overall prices dropped 3% in May. Analysts say the rebound in May was helped by low interest rates and pent-up demand as the economy started recovering from the COVID-19 outbreak. Factory activity on the mainland has expanded at a stronger pace after the government lifted coronavirus lockdowns. The official Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index came in at 50.9 in June, compared with May's May's 50.6, and was above market expectations. The 50-point mark separates expansion from contraction. The uptick was underpinned by the quickening pace of expansion in production. But export orders continue to contract, albeit at a slower pace. Analysts say that suggests the coronavirus crisis will remain a drag on the country's economy for some time. Sport now. The Hong Kong Rugby Sevens has been called off this year because of the coronavirus pandemic. The sport's governing body announced that the flagship Hong Kong event, as well as tournaments in Langford in Canada, London, Paris and Singapore, have been cancelled. The men's and women's titles have both been awarded to Paysetters New Zealand. A statement from World Rugby said the decision follows detailed and constructive dialogue with the host and participating unions and has been taken with the health and well-being of the rugby community and the wider public as top priority. Hong Kong had been due to be the final stop of the rejig sevens calendar after it was moved from its traditional April slot because of the pandemic. The Hong Kong sevens has been held every year since 1976. Reminder of our top stories tonight, Carrie Lam says the new national security law is about to come into effect. The full text of the legislation has just been released and the law sparks an international outcry with Britain saying it needs to check to see whether it has breached the joint declaration. The news from RTHK. RTHK, Radio 3. It's time now to get stories covered in this evening's Newsroom programme. The new national security law was unanimously approved in Beijing this morning, but for many hours no new information was given, and the full text of the legislation wasn't released, even after President Xi Jinping issued an order to promulgate it. Professor Jean-Pierre Capstan of the Department of Government and International Studies at Baptist University says this arrangement was shocking. He also expects the new legislation to put an end to calls for Hong Kong independence, but he told Jim Gould that he does not think it will stop people from calling for greater democracy here. It's unbelievable. Uh, the president of China has signed a law which content is unknown to uh, anyone, to, and uh, in particular to the Hong Kong people. So um, I don't know uh, what do they have in mind, but it's uh, unprecedented and it's shocking. 
by any sign of imagination, we, we would not have thought that such a thing would happen for Hong Kong. I mean, I might have jumped the gun slightly. I said it means the law is now in effect, but uh, would, would that be your understanding? Yes, I mean, it's going to be promulgated very soon by uh, Carrie Lam and uh, added to Annex 3. I hope eventually we're going to know the content of the law, but um, it's, um, it's, it's a bad omen to, uh, you know, to be uh, sort of uh, impose a legislation which content has not been uh, known and has not been discussed by the people of Hong Kong. And what, so what do you think is likely to happen now? How, how are things going to change, do you think, in your view? I think the, um, on, on the one hand, the Hong Kong society is going to adjust, and uh, including the activists. I think most of them will uh, know the new rules of the game, and they've already, some of them uh, have already adjusted to the new environment, um, dismantling the Mosisto and uh, adopting a new um, strategy uh, to push uh, uh, the agenda in Hong Kong. So it means that maybe the, um, the fight for independence will come to an end. The, uh, any kind of connection with uh, foreign uh, forces or government will maybe be much more subdued. Uh, and the, uh, uh, the uh, strategy will probably become more peaceful in order to avoid being accused of terrorism. So that's maybe good news for Hong Kong, but I don't think that the pressure for pushing for more democracy in Hong Kong and to fight against uh, uh, authoritarianism will come to an end. Like you say, we haven't seen the contents of the law yet, but I mean, it's clearly had a, a de deterrent effect. I mean, you mentioned Demosisto uh, disbanding. Yep. Um, so uh, do you think that was part of the strategy? I mean, basic, basically to, under a cloak of secrecy, if you like, to pretty much um, you know, frighten everybody into uh, falling into line? I think the secrecy underscores the fact that uh, the Communist Party is a threat for the Hong Kong people. Otherwise, they would they would not have uh, kept everything behind closed door until until today. Uh, I don't think they're very proud of what they're doing in a way. On the other hand, I think the society is um, uh, adjusting, and uh, again, uh, what you've just mentioned showed that um, activists will change their strategy in order not to uh, confront the party, uh, the Communist Party heads on and to avoid being uh, falling in the trap of, uh, of the national security law. What do you make of the international reaction? I mean, some condemnation from the European Council president, but I mean, but EU countries all have their own national security laws, don't they? Yes, uh, but very few countries have uh, ever promulgated a law which, uh, which contents remain secret until it's signed and for, for to start with. And the other thing is the law is in clear breach with the one country to stand former, with the basic law, with the treaty which China signed with Britain uh, and with the uh, Covenant, uh, the UN Covenant with human, for, for Human Rights. So um, there are many reasons for the international community to object and to condemn what has been uh, decided uh, by Beijing. Now, uh, of course, the I think the international community's leverage over China is limited as far as Hong Kong is concerned. 
uh, including uh, the U.S. leverage uh, as part of the sanctions which have been decided uh, will not uh, um, sort of compel China to change again. So what will be important now is to observe very closely the implementation of the law. And uh, I think uh, at the end of the day, it's up to the Hong Kong society to uh, adjust, but also resist any encroachment. The, the commitments by the, by the Communist Party uh, in 1997 and to the one country, two system formula. What do you think this is all going to mean for Hong Kong's uh, relations uh, with uh, various countries around the world? Of course, other countries, uh, not only the US, but also the European community, Japan, uh, Taiwan and other places, will have to adjust and to draw some, I mean, the necessary consequences uh, from the fact that the uh, high degree of autonomy uh, now is um, put into question by Beijing and by the Hong Kong government. So uh, I think we have to, I think, ad- address the, uh, our policies. Um, whether it's going to be a, a sea change, uh, I don't think so. But I think uh, uh, the relationship between Hong Kong and the rest of the world is going to be more difficult. Um, for not only for the Hong Kong but for Hong Kong government, but also for the Hong Kong society, and that's uh, that's a shame. Pro-democracy group Demosisto announced that it will be disbanding after top leaders, including Joshua Wong, Nathan Law, and Agnes Chow, quit the group. Two pro-independence groups, Hong Kong National Front and Student Localism, said they'd be ceasing all operations here. Anne-Marie Evans asked political scientist Professor Ma Nyok of Chinese University what he made of Demosisto's decision to disband. I think they think that uh, it is inevitable that the demonstrators will face prosecution in the near future after the passing of the new law. So I think that but the most important property, or most important uh, capital of the organization is the individual capacity of people like Joshua Wong, Atlas Chow, and even Noor. And maybe they can run in future elections. So uh, I think they decide that they would work on different ways and maybe it will be more difficult for the uh, government to prosecute the members, yeah. But with people like Joshua Wong, isn't he going to be on the, in their sights already? Or are you meaning moving forward because this law is not retroactive? I think it depends on what they do uh, after today. I think uh, Joshua Wong uh, and, and the Demosistos as a whole uh, it will be seen as uh, subversive, anti-China, pro-independent, uh, whatever. And then it will be very difficult for them to like wash their hands uh, afterwards. But uh, other people may have other actions and take on different roles. And then also uh, with the prospect of uh, disqualifications uh, in the future, uh, candidacy then uh, actually uh, different people taking on different roles will make it more difficult for the government to disqualify them all. Now National Front also another group has said that they are going to be you know um, stopping their sort of Hong Kong office as such but they'll continue their work in other places such as uh, Taiwan what do you think about them? I think uh, for some of these uh, like obvious pro-independence uh, political organizations, they think they will be the target of the new law. So they think uh, that they need to refrain from all public actions. Otherwise, they would fear a fair penalty. So I think we will see more of these uh, pro-independence groups refraining from o- uh, open public action in the, in the next uh, few days or so. 
India's government has banned TikTok and dozens more Chinese-made apps it says are a danger to the country. In a statement, it said the apps were prejudicial to sovereignty and integrity of India, defence of India, security of state and public order. In total, 59 apps were banned, among them popular messaging app WeChat. It follows escalating tensions along the disputed border between the two powers. For its part, TikTok has denied sharing users' data with the mainland authorities. Anna-Marie Evans asked our Delhi correspondent, Murali Krishnan, if the ban has to do with recent tensions between China and India. Well, it's absolutely nothing but having a go at China. This is an exercise in coercive diplomacy. And we saw the tense standoff uh, between both the countries. And now India has picked up a very low denomination item, uh, mobile phone, mobile apps, uh, given their limited impact on Indian businesses, but one which will has a disproportionately large presence in the mass consumer segment. So basically, this uh, banning of these 59 mobile apps, they have a Chinese overhang in both a statement of intent as well as a strong signal. Uh, this is not really going to hit, hurt India, you know, given the alternatives in the app space. But for China, uh, the Indian app market is growing, valuable, and uh, and also that's because the internet costs are the lowest in the world. Uh, we're looking at consumers of all these apps uh, uh, numbering over 800 million. And uh, nearly half of these smartphone users, they are below 25 and they are hungry for content on the devices. So obviously, this is the, the first big action that hits Chinese business interests in India. But what about all the people who in, in India who use them currently? Well, they have to, I mean, this, um, like I said, uh, this, they had to sort of, uh, India is still smarting over the, the border clashes which happened uh, um, uh, uh, a couple, uh, about two weeks back. Um, but they couldn't possibly have a ban on uh, physical goods which would adversely um, uh, impact India's business and economy uh, uh, which, uh, uh, because China could then be challenged at the World Trade Organization. But this is one of, this one of the hitting out this, at a sort of a... Uh, sort of a soft power, actually. And this is, and therefore, knowing fully well that these apps have a very, very strong presence in India. So um, that's why the notification came came about by the Ministry of uh, Information Technology, saying that that, uh, that this will be banned. And though it has a huge, huge popular base out here, but for now, I think, uh, you know, this ban is is, uh, very sweeping. It impacts uh, uh, more apps. And what, why, why this has been taken is largely because it's in a specific strategic and national security context. I mean, it, 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 uh, it could be a warning to bigger Chinese businesses in India uh, and, and to China itself. So uh, obviously the Chinese have reacted uh, very uh, strongly to this. Uh, the, the, uh, their foreign ministry spokesperson said he was very, that, that China was very concerned and they were verifying the situation. And, and more importantly, he said that uh, uh, the Indian government but the Indian government's decision was obviously based on security concerns. That's what that's what the Indian government says. But clearly, it's something which is uh, which uh, India had to do. It had to sort of take some action. So therefore, it targeted China in the online space. WWF says the vast majority of sharks people might encounter in Hong Kong waters present no danger whatsoever. But the conservation group says they should exit the water if they do see a shark that's a metre and a half or longer. 
Dr Andy Cornish, a shark conservation expert with WWF, was speaking after several recent shark sightings in Hong Kong waters. He spoke to Richard Pine about the most recent sighting, supposedly in Sai Kung, which was caught on video and shared online. So I'm pretty sure that that shark is a black tip shark, so not to be confused with the black tip reef shark, which is sort of a common shark known to divers in other parts of the world. But yes, it seems to be a black tip shark. And what do you make of, um, well, we're seeing quite a few people encountering sharks in local waters recently. Is that something that is quite rare? Well, I think I have to say firstly that, you know, that there are obviously reports going around on social media. I'd be a bit more comfortable uh, knowing exactly who took them and, and what, you know, what date they were and exact location. Um, that's, that kind of information can be difficult to get from, from social media. But black tip shark is a shark that you could expect to see in Hong Kong. So most reef sharks are locally extinct in Hong Kong. So things like a, a black tip reef shark or a grey reef shark, which used to occur in Hong Kong, have just been decimated by decades of overfishing and have essentially disappeared from our waters. Black tip shark, uh, I'm aware uh, of a couple of records back in 2007 in the Hoi Ha Wan Marine Park. Uh, they were being seen sort of swimming just under the water in quite murky water in that summer. And then a fisherman caught one by accident, sold it to AFCD, and they took it to Ocean Park to do an autopsy, and I, I took part in that. So uh, that animal was a little bit more than a metre long, was in very healthy condition. Um, so, yes, slightly, slightly larger numbers of sightings, let's like, say, in the past 25 years than most of the other reef species, but still very low numbers, you know, certainly less, you know, maybe only one every, every few years. Those stories are part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Robert Kemp from our newsroom. Night marks the end of one day and the start of another. Being alone could be lonely or a state of being at ease. Challenges are inevitable in life. Do they lead to pressure or motivation? Things can be seen from different angles. Talk with your family, friends or professionals, or call the Social Welfare Department's hotline on 2343-2255. Consider different perspectives. Take a positive view. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December. We'll have moments to remember. 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 Well, this is it. Moments to remember. That's nostalgia time. With Ray Codero all the way until 1 a.m. This is Liberace at the piano.
the beautiful Schubert Serenade and the famous Liberace at the piano. Let's welcome Jim Reed. Welcome to my world Won't you come on in Miracles I guess Still happen now and then Step into my heart 